0: The National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. On this show, I've talked with a lot of people who felt wholly unprepared for the reality of grief. Many of them were caught off guard by how physical their grief felt. Others were shocked by grief's ongoing nature. And some were surprised by how grief affected almost every aspect of their lives. The unexpected part of grief that doesn't get talked about as much is when people find themselves still able to function, able to get out of bed, pay bills, do dishes, go to work, even remember to send their friends birthday cards. And for some, they go beyond functioning. They're still able to laugh and have fun and make future plans. For Yona, the contrast between the intensity of her heartbreak and her continued ability to get up every day and engage with life was super confusing. Yona's mom, Anita, died in March of 2021, a few days after Yona's 26th birthday. Anita died of a pulmonary embolism that happened just hours after coming out of surgery. Yona was devastated, devastated and still able to function. So if you've ever caught yourself wondering, what is wrong with me? How am I able to fold laundry right now? How was I able to get through that meeting at work? This episode is for you. And it's also for anyone else out there listening. Yona and I talk about her mom, their relationship, what it's been like to grieve as a young adult when so many of her friends haven't experienced a grief like hers, and how her grief has changed over time. Just a quick note, listeners, this episode mentions feeling hopeless and overwhelmed by pain. If you or someone you know is struggling, please reach out for help. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255, or you can text hello to 741-741. Okay, here's the episode. Jona, thank you so much for being part of Grief Out Loud and for coming on a call with me all the way from Finland. I really appreciate you making time for this.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be
0: here let's talk a, a little bit about your mom, Anita. When you re- first reached out to me, you described your mom as your best friend and, and basically your whole family. So tell us a little bit about her and, wh- and what does that mean to you that she was your whole family? Well, I mean, she wasn't my whole family,
1: but she really felt like that because when I was uh, 13, my parents got divorced. It was a difficult divorce. They didn't really talk to each other after that. So Even though I have a relationship with my father, and I think it's a really good relationship, she was the pillar parent or the primary parent. And, you know, we were just so similar. Watching her was like a time machine for me, you know. I was like, okay, in 30 years, I'm going to be like her. We had really similar personalities. And, you know, for me, she was just the definition of my family. I also have a big brother who, I mean we're in touch and we're good, but we're different. And, you know, I, we didn't really spend time together and we still don't. My mom was like the family member who I just really, really, when I was with her, I felt like I'm with family.
0: think like she was really your person.
1: Absolutely. And she was just, for me i think she was just my whole connection to the rest of our you know our extended family and everything all those relationships to other people as well like my uh, my cousins and you know her cousins and everything she was like the a link between us so mm. it's it's been you know hard navigating that you know now i have to stay in touch with them
0: myself <laughs> Yeah. And I've heard other people talk about sometimes the person who died was kind of like the sun and the solar system. And then when that person dies, all the other planets are like, where's the gravity? Like, we don't know how to orbit each other in the same way without our primary connection to the sun that made the entire system stay together. There was something you mentioned that really caught my attention. You said that being with your mom was like, being watching a time machine. You were like, well, that's what's going to happen to me in 30 years. And just wondering, were there certain aspects of the way your mom was or her personality that you were excited to grow into? And on the opposite, were there things that you were like, "Ooh, I actually kind of hope I, I don't embody that as I grow older?
1: <laughs> Definitely, there were both. Um, I think, you know, she was a really warm and kind and wise person. And she was really curious about everything. Like my cousin used to tell me, or she actually told me after she died that, you know, it was so special about your mom that, you know, another person would walk into the room and be like, oh, you look nice. And my mom was always like, oh my God, that dress is so beautiful. Where did you get it? You know, she was always just so excited about everything. And I think that's something I really want to embody. She was a lot more optimistic and and positive about life than I think I am Um, as a person and professionally and as a boss and everything she was just a really really good person and people wanted to be around her she was so compassionate which made her a really good boss and you know she was such a dedicated I, I really wish that you know I grow into that kind of person and especially the kind of mother she was I think she was not just a really good mom to me and my brother but she was also like she made an effort to get to know all our friends and partners and you know she i think our home when we were teenagers was kind of like the 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 place where everybody hung out because she was cool with it she was like it doesn't matter if it's a bit messy i'd much rather have like an open door policy and you know have everybody want to be here and get to know everyone and i really hope i become that kind of mom then there's always a downside to being a really, really compassionate person. And I think for my mom, she really dedicated her life to others, which is such an admirable thing. But I just think she didn't really take care of herself always. And she didn't put herself first ever. I've always Looked at that trait in her and been been like I don't want to do that and um, I want to put myself first or <laughs> I don't know first but at least you know value myself and take care of myself and I think that's something that I've been really conscious of always.
0: Yeah, almost as if you want to make sure that you continue to care for yourself the way that your mom cared for you. You know that she prioritized her well being and you want to be able to prioritize your well being as well and. You know, your mom died so suddenly and unexpectedly from a pulmonary embolism after, you know, a successful surgery. I'm wondering, how has the suddenness of her death affected you?
1: Um, I think everything's been delayed because of it. Like, my reactions have been delayed. So when I first heard, there was like a week or two that I really didn't feel anything. I was completely numb, and I was really frustrated with it, and I had this, I call this, you know, crisis hotline or whatever, which is, you know, for people who lose their, their loved ones. And, and I said, like, why am I not crying? Or, you know, why am I, I was sleeping perfectly fine, like nine hours a night, and, and I did not understand what was going on. And so they told me that, you know, this is your body's protecting you, this is too much, you have to wait for, you know, the reaction to come bit by bit, it's not going to come like a tsunami all at once. I think everything's been delayed and, you know, not just my grief, but also like practical arrangements, like everything was like, no one thought she would die. She was not prepared to die. She had her, you know, documents all over the place and all the practical arrangements were really difficult because there was absolutely no preparation from anyone. You know, I'm, I'm only now starting to actually access my grief after a five month period of just getting all the practical things done and, and trying to just make sense of it. And I think for me, this has also been very difficult for you know my sense of safety. I have had this feeling and I still do like, can anything happen? Could I die right now? I was worried, of course, I know surgeries are always a risk, but I was still thinking like, it's probably gonna be fine, right? And so then I got the call that it was fine. And 24 hours later, I got a call that she was dead. I could not believe that something so unlikely could happen.
0: So your whole sense of like how the world operates and the things that you hold to be true, which is you get through the surgery, everything's fine. So you're going to continue to be fine. All of that got upended and called into question. Yes. And.
1: I'm not really a a spiritual person or I'm not religious in any way. So I had this moment of, like, how can this happen to me? How could this happen to me? Who decided that this person should die? And who decided that I and my brother and, you know, everyone who was close to my mom needed to suffer this loss? And so I had weeks of really like existential crisis. I was like, well, how can this be my life? Like, I can't believe this is my life. And I really needed answers. And this time has gone by, I've realized like I'm not going to get answers and I am not necessarily even a believer in that there's a, you know, a reason for things to happen. I, I just feel like, you know, bad stuff happens, and it's really random who it happens
0: to. Yeah, well, that's a process to get there, right? At the beginning, it's like, who is to blame? (laughs) Like, who can I say, this is your fault that this happened? Because it should not have happened. It's totally not fair. It doesn't fit with the way that the world is supposed to work. And it's not, it's not just that this happened. And so, you know, you reached out to me probably two months ago. So that was, about three months after your mom had died and you reached out to say like, you know, I'm not, I'm functioning, I'm decorating my apartment. I'm not leveled by this grief the way I expected to be. But it sounds like today, two months after that, your experience of grief has really shifted. And I, I wonder what, what you would say to the you of three months ago, standing where you are now five months since your mom died. Like, What would you want that part of you to know? Well, first of all, I just
1: felt when my mom died and the weeks and months, like the very first weeks and months, I was really scared. I was so scared that it was just going to all come at once and I was going to crumble under it. And I was also scared that, you know, I think everyone says this, like, I'm never going to be happy again. How am I going to ever, you know, build a life that I'm happy with without her at the same time I was not in touch with those feelings so I was like well you know I'm fine I'm I'm you know just doing stuff that I usually do but I'm really really scared this is going to affect me later so what I would want to say to myself is it's going to affect you but your body is protecting you it's not going to come all at once it's not going to make you so sad that you can't get out of bed ever again, or you can't sleep ever again, or you can't go to work, or you can't eat, or you can't laugh. Because for me, my notion of grief was, especially at this age, like my mom was 54 and I had just three days earlier turned 26 when she died. And so I thought, you know, if my mom would die, I would die. Like literally I would die. I thought I could not survive that. And I think when I did or when when I am surviving, it just doesn't feel like enough. So nothing, no grief, no amount of grief is really enough. You feel like you you've lost like a limb or something. It's not what I thought it would be. And I'm just coping way better than I would have ever expected still. But I am learning to ex- uh, like accept that this is grief. I was wrong about grief, at least for me. And this is what it's,
0: you know, this is what it's going to be. What is grief looking like for you recently? Like how is it showing up in your body and your mind and your heart? In the beginning, people reached
1: out a lot so uh, someone was calling me every day or texting me and I could you know I just had this pool of people who I could call and I talked about this all day like all day I didn't do anything else and call different people and 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 talked about you know my mom being dead and now I'm noticing you know that people are moving on and they have their own lives and they're kind of forgetting that this process is still very raw or actually just getting started for me. Um, So I'm noticing um, a bit more like anger or irritability or frustration with people close to me um, for what they're saying or not saying. Uh, And I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more alone but I am feeling much more confident in my grief and much more um, I trust that this is I'm going to make it through this process and it's going to feel better. I am going to feel better. I'm sure about it. I'm sure of that. I feel like in the beginning, I was so worried about not making it and now I feel like, um, we were designed to survive grief, right? Because everyone grieves and everyone loses people. I've been having a bit more physical symptoms lately, tightness in the chest, difficulty breathing, which is uh, scary when her cause of death was pulmonary embolism. So I've been also really convinced that I'm having a pulmonary embolism when I'm having trouble breathing because basically, uh, a pulmonary embolism it's uh, a blood clot in the lung I've had you know moments when I'm like okay I'm having a pulmonary embolism now and and then I've you know called a doctor or whatever and they had to tell me like no you're grieving this is anxiety this is you know a manifestation of your grief so uh, always when there's something new coming up like a new symptom or a new you know thought or perspective. It's really unsettling at first. And then you kind of um, accept it like, okay, this is grieving also. Um, now I'm
0: feeling this way. That is, it seems like one of the hardest things for so many people when they are grieving is is to make space for whatever feelings are coming up, whether they're physical or emotional or you know, thoughts that we're having. And that so much time and energy goes into trying to make whatever's happened stop happening. <laughs> and that creating that room, there's less um, struggle in that, even though there's still the reality of of what, how it's manifesting and the discomfort of that. But there's not the additional like, you know, blaming yourself or shaming yourself for however it is showing up. And, and I know you mentioned earlier that you know, you're like, "Whoo!" I was totally wrong about what grief looks like until it happened to me. I wonder what, if anything, you learned about grief from your mom, either from things that she shared or from just watching her deal with grief if she experienced it as you were growing up?
1: I, I thought about this question because my mom had lost both her parents and I didn't really have... I mean, I had a relationship with them, but I didn't really grieve them. I don't think I can call it grief compared to what I'm going through now. So I was thinking about, like, did we talk about her grief for her parents? And, you know, I realized that when when my grandpa died, it was like four months before my parents separated. And I think for her the grief of of the divorce and the grief of her dad were really mixed together. And I didn't really know which was which. And I don't even know if it matters which was which because it's grief, right? She's grieving both things. But life was so hectic and chaotic at that moment that she was really, really trying to hold it all together. my brother was acting up he was 15 the worst possible age for this stuff to happen right and so he was very difficult and she was just trying to you know maintain normalcy somehow and and I think if she grieved she didn't grieve in front of us at that moment I mean I'm sure she grieved but I I don't think she wanted to show us and then when my grandma died she only died like four or three years ago, I just think, you know, she was 82 and she had cancer, just a very undramatic way to go somehow. Like she was, we just all felt like this is the circle of life. 82 year old people die and that's sad, but it's not tragic in the same way as it is when a 54 year old person dies. My mom's grief for her mother was more like, I don't know, melancholy. And she said like, she told me that because they had a difficult relationship, um, which was, you know, in, in the end, as it often goes, my mom was more like a caretaker for my grandma and, and you know, took care of her financial things and stuff like that. So she told me that I, I feel like I've forgiven my mom that chapter's over and and I think for her that was grief when her mother died I really don't feel like it's applicable to this situation because this was unnatural a person that age just shouldn't die and you know it was sudden and and I am so young and so I don't have tools that my mom has given me directly. However, I think the kind of person she was and the compassion she had for people just really gave me tools to be compassionate with myself and also listen to people's experiences and help myself. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, I think I am coping really well under these circumstances. And I think it's because, you know, the person I became, the person person she raised me to be.
0: As you were talking, I was thinking about the idea that your mom loved you so well that you're able to love yourself well through this experience. And that in a way, she continues to care for you even when she's no longer here physically. It also made me think about The care that you're receiving from other people. And you mentioned that at the beginning, you know, you were calling people every day, just needed to talk about it all the time. And now things are starting to shift in terms of your circle of support. And like, at this point, five months later, and where you are now in your grief, what are you most needing and wanting from friends and family and other people who are in support roles for you?
1: Right now, the most important thing is just to remember to ask me once in a while, like, how are you doing with your grief today? Um, because it's really hard to bring up. You don't want to be like a bummer, right? <laughs> you, you don't want to when you're having dinner and you're having a nice conversation and you don't want to be the one who says like, so should we talk about my dead mom now? I really appreciated when other people give me like, the opportunity to to talk about it and my friends luckily are really good at that so I am extremely lucky I think with my circle of friends I mean it's a small circle but you don't need like uh, 50 people to talk about it with you just need a few people who really you feel really loved and supported by you know asking me how I'm doing and continuing to ask me because the thing that we all got wrong before us you know started grieving was that we thought that grief was a linear process it's like okay so in the beginning you feel very very bad and then you know day by day it gets easier and so i thought maybe a year from now i'm gonna feel like myself again and i have had to obviously abandon this whole belief uh because that's not the way it works and it's, it's not going to work like that. And I can't believe we thought it works like that. It's really important that people understand that for me, this process is going to be ongoing for the rest of my life. It's never going to be inappropriate to ask me how I'm doing with my grief. Not even in 20 years, I think it's going to look different for sure. And I'm probably going to be at a completely different place, but it's still going to be relevant. I think we have this built-in need to comfort each other. So when I'm talking about my grief and saying, you know, sometimes it's pretty dark, right? Sometimes I've been like, especially in the beginning, I was like, and I'm, I want to say I'm not suicidal at all, and I would never hurt myself in any way. But I, I, I like, genuinely was thinking, like, if this gets too hard, I can always kill myself. My friends got super, super upset when I said stuff like this, and when when I tell them about how raw it is, and they're trying to comfort me, and they're saying things like, "Your mom would really want you to do everything you've always dreamed of and not change you know your plans or the course of your life because of this." And it's just I think words that are meant to comfort me are hurtful because at the same time, it just makes it so abundantly clear that they don't understand that the world has changed. So I can't live the life I plan to live because, you know, that included her and I have to make adjustments because she's not going to be around.
0: Yeah. I want to just take a moment and really acknowledge what you shared of it's, you know, it seemed to me like it's speaking to how overwhelming it felt and how scary it was to, Be in that much pain, and like, how am I going to tolerate this over the long period of time? And that often, what people need is someone who isn't going to be scared of that with them to be like, "I hear you. I'm, I'm here with you in that. What do you most need right now?" And that's, I think, that's really hard for people because,
1: and it's, I don't think with my friends necessarily it was even them getting scared or overwhelmed by what i was saying they just desperately wanted me to feel better they they couldn't stand to see me so sad so they they thought that you know they could say something that would make me feel better about my mom being dead but the thing about grieving is that there's really nothing especially people who have not grieved anything can say that's going to make you feel better and better to listen and ask questions and be curious and accept whatever answer I'm giving without trying to make it easier or a little less dramatic. I mean, for example, I have a really good friend uh, who his attitude towards this is like, there's already one life ruined, right? My mom's life is over. He doesn't want me to, quote unquote, waste my life and I totally understand where he's coming from I understand that I have a a long hopefully life left to live and that I have to find ways to be happy and to really live to the fullest but grieving is not wasting your life right grieving is a part of life and grieving sometimes means you're gonna put certain things on hold or you're gonna do some things completely differently than you would have done them if that person were alive. They really missed who I was before this happened, right? And they're trying to convince themselves that I'm gonna be that person again. And maybe I will in many ways, but also I won't be that person again because something life-changing happened.
0: This is a weird analogy, but I was imagining like you go to the grocery store, you get all the ingredients for a particular recipe that you're planning to make and you bring it all home and you start to cook it. And then one of the main ingredients like falls on the ground. It's no longer available. You can't use it. Like say you're baking bread and like the flour falls on the ground. You have no more flour. You can't just move forward and make bread without flour. You have to reconfigure The recipe or make something different. And so as you're talking about, like, there's no way I can just put my life plan in place with no changes, because a major ingredient in that life plan is no longer here.
1: That's a perfect analogy, really, because, you know, that's, that's, that's that's what it is. Like, for example, we were talking about um, getting married. And, you know, me and my friends and, and our partners, they were just like, I think you should just do the wedding you've always dreamed of. Like your mother would want you to to have the the dream wedding. And then I was just like trying to explain that it's no longer my dream wedding because I envisioned it thinking that both my parents are going to be there and alive and well, and now they're not. So it just doesn't seem fun anymore. I want to do it differently for other people. This is, Obviously they think it's tragic but it's not life changing for anyone else than me and my brother and of course our partners who are very close to us and you know close to our mom but for everyone else it's kind of hard to understand that why would i make such major adjustments just because one thing isn't the way i thought it was going to be it's just that that one thing is so major
0: so Yana, in this period of time, five months since your mom died, you talked about how grief is showing up. You've talked about what would feel good from friends and family. What, what's currently helping you in your day to day?
1: For me, I've had a lot of
0: feelings about, uh,
1: or a lot of feelings of like anger, and I've taken it out on, on my friends and the ones that are closest to me. Lately, and um, which has been very difficult because then I not only live with grief, but I also live with guilt for treating people like crap. <laughs> and uh, I think for me now, really important has been talking a lot with my friends. And while I'm not angry, reassuring them that this is not about them, this is about me, and you know, being validated by them and saying it's okay we understand i'm i i'm going to filter what you say to me setting boundaries to certain people not for example attending big groups of, of young people have been a bit of a trigger for me i feel very alone and isolated and griefy in those situations just taking really good care of myself i think exercising trying to eat good food limiting alcohol that's been a major thing for me i i i i it doesn't help me whatsoever. And it actually makes stuff a lot worse. And just being around people that I'm comfortable with. I've spent a lot of time with my mom's friends. And that's been amazing because I felt really close to her. And you know, those are people who knew her and they tell me stories and they never get sick of talking about her. I don't know, I've been reading a lot of books. I actually read uh, the book The Aftergrief by Hope Edelman. I think I heard of it in this podcast, actually. It's too soon for me to read that book. But it's really helped me because actually there was this one page who brought up this term dozing, which basically explained why people are able to function even after a major loss. And it's somehow, apparently, our our minds have this built-in ability to dose the grief so you engage in 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 you know grief activities you mourn you look at pictures you cry you're sad you're angry and then then you do other stuff instead and the grief kind of rifts and for me that was a big aha moment like okay so this is why I haven't been consumed by my grief every second like this is why I can just look at TikTok or whatever for a couple hours and laugh at silly videos or this is why I can focus at work. I couldn't in the beginning, but I'm I'm starting to now. I felt really guilty about my grief not being intense enough. Um but I've, you know, slowly realized and accepted that grief, let's just say grief is normal. I think, you know, we're we all experience grief. And that book for me was, I don't know, this promise of that it, it's going to get better, like, because I really need it. I was so scared when my mom died. And when I listened to podcasts and stuff about grieving, what, what, you know, they focused on was, you know, the fact that grief is forever and you never stop grieving. And while that's true, I think it's important say, you will feel better. There will be moments when your grief is not the biggest emotion in the room. It's going to take time. And I, I, I'm not there yet. But I truly believe it's going to happen. And I really think people need to hear it. uh, In the beginning, when they're grieving, I needed to hear it.
0: Yeah, it's almost this idea that over time, it becomes more reassuring to hear That grief lasts the rest of your life because it's still with you. And you're like, phew, okay, I'm normal. It's been two years, five years, 10 years. I still carry this grief in some way with me. It's okay. But right at the beginning, maybe more reassuring to hear grief changes. It's not going to always feel the way it feels right now. It doesn't mean it's going to go away, but it's not going to feel this intense for the rest of your life in the exact same way that it feels now because it can really have that sensation at the beginning of it's just always going to be like this and I'm not going to be able to get out of bed for the rest of my life so I just yeah I really I'm grateful for you to for emailing me and being like hey I have this other side of grief I really want to talk about and share with your listeners so I'm yeah I'm grateful for you today for talking with us and, and sharing that perspective
1: thank you for having me it was great
0: And listeners out there, as always, I thank you each and every time for making the show mean what it does, for tuning in, for sharing episodes with people in your life that you think can be helped. Um, If you're out there like Yana was listening to the podcast and being like, I totally agree, or, oh, there's this thing you're not talking about, reach out to me, send me an email. Uh, My email address is griefoutloud at Dougie.org. That's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. That's also our website, the best place to go to hear our past episodes, to learn more about our program, and to access all of our free resources. So thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.